Well, friends, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, please join me by turning to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verse 18. This morning, we are in our third message in our series on the Holy Spirit called Earnestly Desire. And this morning's message is going to be titled, Filled with the Holy Spirit. In the early 1900s, a profound move of God erupted in Wales, UK, and lasted for a couple of years. This move is known historically as the Welsh Revivals. And perhaps the man that God used most in this spiritual awakening was Evan Roberts. Now, Evan Roberts was converted at the age of 12, but when he was 26 years old, he had a remarkable experience with the Lord, an experience which no doubt would serve to prepare him for the important role that God would have him to play in the spiritual awakening throughout his country. Listen in his own words. One Friday night last spring, when praying by my bedside before retiring, I was taken up to a great expanse without time and space. It was communion with God. Before this, I had a far-off God. I was frightened that night, but never since. So great was my shivering that I rocked the bed, and my brother being awakened took hold of me, thinking that I was ill. After that that experience, I was awakened every night a little after 1 o'clock. This was most strange, for, for through the years I slept like a rock, and no disturbance in my room would awaken me. From that hour, I was taken up into divine fellowship for about four hours. What it, what it was, I cannot tell you, except that it was divine. About five o'clock, I was again allowed to sleep until about nine. At that time, I was again taken up into the same experience as in the earlier hours of the morning until about 12 or 1 o'clock. This went on for three months. Well, throughout the next several years, history records that that over 100,000 people came to saving faith in Christ as a result of these Welsh revivals. And it all started, obviously, as a sovereign work of God. But it all started on this Friday evening as Evan Roberts was kneeling by his bedside in prayer. Now, what happened to Roberts? How do we explain this unusual encounter with God? Well, speaking of this experience with God, Roberts says, it was communion with God. Before this, I had a far off God. Well, friends, does does God feel far off to you this morning? Has God felt far off to you for perhaps a long time in your relationship with him? When you talk about God, do you rely on the experiences of others to explain him? When you think of living the Christian life, do you have feelings of a tired and a dreary journey? 
Well, the truth is, is that God desires for each and every one of us to know him intimately, to be filled with the Spirit. When God saves us, when he saves his people, he seals us with the Spirit. Every single Christian is baptized with the Spirit at conversion, which means that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. He is there forever as a seal, helping us, guiding us, and convicting us from within. However, throughout the New Testament, God calls Christians who are sealed to be continually filled. One author, Gordon Fee, says this, Paul does not see life in the Spirit as the result of a single experience of the Spirit at conversion. The Spirit is the key to all of Christian life. And frequently, Paul implies that there are further ongoing appropriations of the Spirit's empowering. So how can we define what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What's a good working definition for us this morning. Well, our friend Sam Storms has this helpful definition. He says, to be filled with the Spirit is to come under progressively more intense and intimate influence of the Spirit. Friends, Spirit filling is not a way to live the Christian life. It is the way to live the Christian life. And that's the point that the Apostle Paul is making in our text this morning. So if you would, please join me now for what is undoubtedly the best part of this morning's message. And that is the reading of God's word. Ephesians 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. Let's go to the Lord quickly and ask for his help. Lord, we love you, and we admit that we need your help. Lord, this morning we are talking about the Spirit and how foolish of, of, of me it would be if I did not request his help. Please, Lord, please fill me afresh with your Spirit that I might teach and preach your word with power and precision for your glory and your people's good. In Christ's name, amen. Well, friends, the energy we need to live, live God-glorifying lives comes from the Holy Spirit's powerful presence. The energy we need to live god Glorifying lives comes from the Holy Spirit's powerful presence. How do fresh fillings of the Spirit serve our souls? Well, I have three ways to suggest this morning. And the first is the filling is enlarging. The Spirit enriches our knowledge and fellowship with God. John Piper says, there are two kinds of magnifying, microscope magnifying and telescope 
magnifying. The one makes a small thing look bigger than it is, and the other makes a big thing begin to look as big as it really is. Friend, what kind of magnifying glass, what kind of magnifying lens are you looking at God through? A microscope or a telescope? Well, the Holy Spirit helps us to look at God through a telescope. As I read Paul's letters, I walk away with the impression that the Spirit enlarges the greatness of God and his benefit in the Christian's mind. For example, look at this, Ephesians 1, so just flip back a couple of pages to verses 15 to 23. Paul is, is praying for these Ephesian Christians. The letter of Ephesians is written to Christians, and this is what he says, starting uh, around verse 15. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, if you look at your Bible in that text, you'll notice that the translators capitalized spirit. And that is on purpose. It's not a typo. It's because Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit at this point. And he is asking specifically for God to give the Holy Spirit to these Ephesian Christians. Now, that's a bit strange, right? Because in chapter 1, verse 13, just a couple of breaths before this prayer, he says that these Christians were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Does he not? So why is Paul asking God to give the Spirit to Christians who are already sealed with the Spirit? Seems like an appropriate question. Well, the reason is, as Sam Storm suggests, is it is possible to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to experience the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit and yet not be filled with the Spirit. Friends, these Ephesian Christians, these are not Holy Spiritless Christians, for there is no such thing as a Holy Spiritless Christian. Paul's not suggesting that there are two classifications of Christians, those with the Spirit and those without the Spirit. It's not at all what he's doing. No, instead, he is praying that God would fill these Spirit-sealed Christians with a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit for a very particular and specific reason, which is right in verse 18. He says, Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, enlarged, that you might know. Not that you might know in your mind, but that you might experientially know. That it might be at the inner part of who you are. Know that you know that you know the hope, the riches, and the greatness of God's power. Fresh filling of the Spirit enlarges, like a telescope, what is already a reality in the Christian's life. 
The second place I want you to look with me is at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, where Paul again prays, starting in verse 16, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. Notice again, capital spirit. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you might have the strength to comprehend the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He doesn't just want theologheads in Ephesus. Paul wants the theology that's in their mind to take the 18-inch journey to affect and change their heart. Lives are not simply changed by the mind. They have to be saturated in the heart. From the heart we live, we breathe, we do, we're motivated, we give, we sacrifice. He doesn't want just a bunch of intellectually, theologically filled minds in Ephesus. He wants that theology to grip them, that surpasses knowledge. It's not minimizing knowledge, it's knowledge that moves, knowledge that changes rips. Paul is praying in Ephesians 3 that God would fill them afresh with the Holy Spirit so that present realities would become impressive realities in their minds once again. It is such a sad thing, friends, when God and his glorious benefits for the Christian, such as forgiveness, adoption, as sons and daughters, promised eternal life, and the list goes on, when these things no longer produce joy in the Christian's life, this is terribly sad. It's terribly sad. Paul says in this text that when the Spirit fills us afresh... He helps present realities become impressive realities to us once again. Thirdly, look with me at Colossians 1, verses 9 to 12, where Paul again prays for Christians to be filled with the knowledge of his will so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. This is the same issue that's at stake in Ephesians 5. Namely, the manner of Christian conduct, the way in which a Christian walks, their behavior, the course of their life. And Paul is once again praying for a fresh filling of the Spirit in these Christians' life in the book of Colossians. Friends, every Christian, All of us, if we have trusted Christ, if we are born again, if we know God, every one of us is in desperate need of the Spirit's enlarging ministry in our lives so that we might see with ever fresh eyes the beauty of God and His grace, that we wouldn't rely on the experiences of our past, that we wouldn't rely on the experiences of church history, that we would know Today, like we knew 10 years ago when we were converted or however long ago it was for you, that we would know today 
just as real, if not more, the beauty of God and his glorious grace towards us in Christ. Friends, this is not fruit that is produced through the natural man. We need the Spirit who enriches our knowledge and our fellowship with God. That leads to our second point this morning. The filling is for fueling. He empowers us to live God-glorifying lives. My first truck was a 1998 Chevy Z71. I know. It was and still is a masterpiece of American engineering. But my truck was old by the time I got to it. It had 200,000 miles. I've never had a vehicle that had less than 200,000 miles. And it had a bunch of miles. And though it still looked good, it had some minor problems like the gas gauge not working. And as a teenager, I think you might be able to relate with this, I can count on one hand how many times I had enough cash to fill it up completely. In order to gauge my gas levels, I relied on my math skills, which failed me numerous times, as Zach can attest to. With the miles per gallon that my truck got and the number of gallons that I was able to afford to put into my truck on any given occasion, which was usually around $20, I would surmise a number and would look at the odometer to tell me when it was time to stop again for fuel. While I learned at an early age that trucks can run on fumes much longer than scientifically deemed possible, I also realized that my math was wrong on countless occasions, and I ran out of gas all the time. In fact, I started carrying a little gas can in the bed of my truck for such occasions, and it served me on more than one occasion, no doubt. Well, friends, I think this is how most Christians are living the Christian life, on fumes. I think there are so many Christians who are walking around sealed with the Holy Spirit, yet constantly and consistently trusting in themselves to live the Christian life. But the Lord wants to remind us this morning through his word that he loves to fill us afresh, to fuel us to live God-glorifying lives. First, friends, when he fills us afresh, he fuels us to love and live for one another in the local church. That seems to be Paul's burden in our text this morning. For as he says in verse 18, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And this filling appears to have four effects in the Christian's life. Quickly, in verse 19, Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Verse 19, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
When the Spirit fills us afresh, he produces in the church greater unity and love for God and love for one another. Well, in addition to enabling and empowering our behavior towards one another, the Spirit also gives the Christian spiritual gifts. And we'll talk more about spiritual gifts later as we get into 1 Corinthians in the series. But to each Christian and to every Christian, a spiritual gift has been given in order to glorify God and to be a blessing to his people. But he does not intend to leave us within the four walls of the building. We also find in God's word that the filling fuels our outreach. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says to the disciples that were scared to death of persecution. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In Acts 4, 8, The Spirit fills scared old Peter. Just a few chapters before, this is the guy who was scared to death. Total transformation. Was it conversion? No, you can't come to that conclusion. He already knew Jesus. Something happens with the filling of the Spirit. He's given boldness for proclamation. It says, scared old Peter stands up. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, look at Peter go. In Acts 4, 31, it says that when they had prayed, they're all gathered together when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. What was that like? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. These texts are just a sampling of the scriptures. And they make it plain that the advancement of the gospel comes through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Friends, as his people, as God's people at Living Hope Church, we are desperate for his enabling power and presence in our lives to accomplish his purposes. Charles Spurgeon says... Again, we quoted this last week, but it is just helpful. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind. We are useless. That leads to our third point this morning. The filling is for everyone. The filling is for everyone. And by everyone, I mean God's people. So the question now becomes, and I hope it has come into your mind, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? John Stott says, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is emphatically not a privilege reserved for some, but a duty Resting on all. 
The filling with the Spirit is not a promise, not a command held out to the world. What the world needs is conversion. Baptism in the Spirit, that's conversion. Transformation of the heart, the sealing of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit is, is, is a call for the Christian. Just like Paul is writing to the Ephesian Christians to the, in the letter of Colossians and elsewhere. The, the Christians in the book of Acts, as they're gathered together, they're filled with the Spirit. This is not like the world walking around suddenly filled with the Spirit. No, this is a, this is a, a command held out for God's people. So how can I be filled with the Spirit? Well, I've got a few suggestions, and I think that you'll see that they are from God's Word. The first is to thirst for Jesus, to thirst for Christ. In John 7, verse 37, it says this, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this, John says, he said about the Spirit. As we pursue the presence of Christ, my Christian friend, the Holy Spirit moves and motivates us in our pursuit. In fact, he's the only reason why we are pursuing Christ. He's the one who's moved us in that direction. But nevertheless, as we move in that direction, he continues to move us and motivate us in that direction. Friends, we talked about this in the first message on the Spirit. The Spirit loves to spotlight the glory of Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the foundational test of a spirit-filled Christian. Are you consumed with Christ? Countless silly people in our day talk about filling with the Spirit while drawing attention to themselves. And they're just jabbering. They're just going on with nonsense. There's nothing Christ-glorifying And so much of it. And you can be assured that if it is not for Christ's glory, then he is not, the spirit is not the one moving the person. The spirit loves to spotlight the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you love Christ more? Are you being conformed into the image of Christ through your life? That's the test. That's the foundational test. That's the Spirit's chief and primary work to draw attention to the beauty of Jesus Christ. The second way, recommendation for us this morning, is this, to pray for more of the Holy Spirit. I hope you noticed that all those those references I had 
from Ephesians and Colossians, those were prayers. Do you notice that? Those were prayers. Paul's praying that God would do this for these Christians, that he would fill them with the Spirit. Jesus says in Luke eleven thirteen, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? My Christian friend, it is often been the case that while a believer is in secret or corporate prayer, that the Spirit was poured out on them in fresh measure. Be not surprised that if you're not a praying person, that you may not be a Spirit-filled person. Be not surprised. We're not inventing new methods of Spirit-filling in the 21st century. We go back to the ways of God. And God is made plain. Look at the examples of his people on their knees in prayer when they experience fresh filling of the Spirit. It was the disciples that were gathered in corporate prayer in Acts chapter 4 when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. When we pray, friends, we are declaring our dependence on God And we are seeking his help. That's why prayer is a place with fertile ground for the Spirit's filling. It's fertile ground for the Spirit's filling because in prayer we are acknowledging I'm nothing. I can do nothing. I cannot parent in my own strength. I cannot witness in my own strength. I cannot husband in my own strength. For the ladies, I cannot wife in my own strength. I cannot be a good worker in my own strength. I hope you feel that way. If you don't feel that way, that's, the, that's, that's an identification of a problem. You must feel that way. If you don't feel that way, ask God to make you feel that way. Lord, I want to feel desperate when I apply my hands to do these tasks. I want to feel that I am incapable of doing them. So that you will help me that I'll beg you for help. The third recommendation I have this morning is to walk in holiness. And I hope that was the obvious one. He is the Holy Spirit. You have all these people who claim to be filled with the Spirit all the while they're living a totally different life. These, some of these renowned speakers These leaders of spirit-filled movements, all the while they're having adulterous relationships. Friends, that's not the spirit. It's moving and motivating those men. Walk in holiness. He is the Holy Spirit. He hates sin. And he lives in you. And if he hates sin and he lives in you, he will not allow you to stay comfortable in sin. He will make your life very uncomfortable. And if he doesn't, if you're living in sin and your life isn't quite uncomfortable, that's another frightening indication that perhaps you aren't born again. So what you must do is to repent and to trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Place your faith in Christ.
Walk in holiness. Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 30 and 31, that this, that sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Sin grieves God while holiness pleases God. In Acts 5, here's a clear example of this played out in God's word. The early church had a couple named Ananias and Sapphira who lied to the apostles and suddenly died as a result. How about that at a membership meeting? What an eventful... Who's carrying those guys out? These people were not filled with the Holy Spirit, but instead, Peter says, this is what Peter says, why has Satan, here's the language, filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Friends, When we walk in habitual sin, we situate ourselves outside of the will of God for our life, which is our holiness. God wants us to desperately rely on his enabling and empowering grace to live holy lives for his glory. So friends... If God feels far off to you this morning, as he did with Evan Roberts, if he feels distant, if he feels cold to you this morning, if the Christian life feels like a slog or a a dreary walk constantly and consistently, it's all you've ever known in the Christian life is that it's constantly a dreary, constantly a miserable walk, but but it's one that you must make nonetheless. If, if that is your case, if, if witnessing to the lost world is something that you've totally and completely avoided as the result of fear, and yes, even if you are currently happy and healthy in your walk with God, the command remains for all of us, be filled with the Spirit. We can never have so much of the Spirit that we say, I have enough. I have no more need of the Spirit. For all of our days, that will be, that should be the cry of our heart. Lord, fill us with the Spirit. Fill me with the Spirit. Fill me with the Spirit. We must admit and acknowledge that we need and that we want His help. So, friends, let's follow this pattern. This pattern that's laid out for us in God's Word. This beautiful Refreshing promise and invitation to pursue his glorious presence in and through the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We're not moving this morning. We're not the Holy Spirit. We're not gathered together singing songs to our triune God, if not for the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the Spirit. God, please give us the grace to turn from our sin, trust Christ, 
and to be people who beg for your help, your empowering grace. In Christ's name, amen.